Hey, uh, welcome to Red River Podcast. Uh, today we're going to, you know, celebrate the year 1993, which is 30 years from, you know, I guess today, which is fucking wild. Um, so, yeah, we're, 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 you know, we're already in mid conversation here. Um, you know, welcome back, Brant. Thank you for having me. Appreciate right. it. How's, how's life in Chicago? Dry hot. Life's pretty good. Yeah. Restaurants are doing pretty well coming out of the pandemic. We're, Doing decently, not like setting the world on fire, but everything. We're we're busy, and uh, it's been a really mild winter here, which has been kind of nice. I mean, I Mm -hmm. love the snow, but it has been nice uh, to not wake up to negative twenty every January and February. Yeah, the snow is cool. The the snow is cool. Like when you like look out the window for like a minute, you know, it's like oh, that's cool. But then if you could kind of like quickly like turn the page. And, you know, not like shovel or like see the disgusting, like brown, black snow that comes with it. You know, it's just like I know. love it and I miss it. And I find like yeah. uh, my my uh, my love, my immortal and dark throne and emperor listens are way <laughs> down this, this winter. No Norwegian <laughs> black metal in my ears yeah. this winter. I, I need the I need the whole ambiance. Yeah, it's been a lot of reggae any, this winter. Reggae and jam bands. Any any uh, new beers coming? Uh, you got yeah. Well, we're we're actually so World Beer Cup is happening this year, which is the largest uh, uh, judging contest in for beer in the world, I think. Um, so that's in Nashville. So we haven't attended that in uh, or sent beer to be judged uh, since 2019, I think. So it's been a three or four year hiatus. So we're actually sending beer down for judging for all three breweries. So hopefully we get get something. We have gotten stuff. Uh, we've never gotten a World Beer Cup award, but we've gotten uh, Great American Beer Festival awards in the past. So it'd be nice to add one of those. And uh, yeah, we're going to start canning. So in April, we're going to start canning our beer so I can get some uh, beer back to you in uh, New York. I know Sam will nice. partake. Hell yeah. If you have any... any uh... Any metal names? Any metal names you're using? Um, not really. So I've your... so I've sort of taken over operations of the three breweries. So I've got head brewers at each location. So it's mostly their beers now. So one of the the beer that's going into can is uh, going to be called Wizard Fight, and that's named after a uh, uh, weed Guns eater. Of, I thought it was Guns eater Roses. Album. Oh, okay, weed eater. Okay, I, I my yeah. friends my friends play with them. Oh yeah, I have a friend in a band called Rebel Matic. He's been on the show, and uh, I'm pretty sure we did. Yeah, they're out of North Carolina, South Carolina area, I think. I don't know. I just know that like they've been doing some tours with them lately. So, very yeah, cool. really good, doomy, sludgy, southern uh, twinge to it. Um, really, they've been around forever. Um, yeah, and so nice. that's exciting. So, but yeah, we have not done any collaborations with any metal bands. Cool. Uh, recently um the whole collaboration thing has sort of been waning a little bit with uh, yeah. the whole pandemic and everything and nobody wanted to get together for years and be on site and right stay, you're six feet apart and all that crap so um but it's starting to come back so maybe we'll uh, start reaching out um we do have obituaries playing i did buy a house in chicago and i'm right near the metro which is a pretty famous venue in chicago a lot of bands broke pumpkins and metallica played there in 83 on the kill em all tour 
Um, so I'm like a quarter mile from that venue. So obituaries come in there and I think emperors come in there. Um, yeah, emperors making the rounds at playing Brooklyn, I think too. Yeah. And obi so obituary might... has very strong Long Island ties because they work with a, a friend of mine out of Ronkonkoma. Uh, oh, really? His name's Joe. He's been, I think he did the record for them, the new record, and he does their live sound. Oh, okay. Yeah. New record plays too. Yeah, I heard awesome. the new record's great. I listened to I've only listened to it once, but I really dug it. So. I saw them with Black Label and it's amazing. The singer, I mean, Sam, did you go to that show with me? I was there and they blew me the fuck away. I couldn't believe that singer. Then uh, he sounds, I mean, he's got to be, you know, in his late he's got to be up or there, whatever. Yeah. And his voice sounds perfect for death metal. Like it sounds exactly like it did. And like nobody knew how to take care of your voice back then, so he was amazing. That <laughs> he sounded amazing, like it just blew me away. That was the first time I saw yeah. obituary. Um, but uh, me too. Anyway, I'm actually playing a brewery later on today in New yeah, Jersey. Yeah, I saw that. I saw it somewhere in Jersey, right? Yeah, Maybe yeah. a playing dead, uh, dry <laughs> hop. <Yeah>. <laughs> collapse <laughs> my smell right now. Yeah. You come out to Chicago, yeah, we'll do it. You come out to Chicago, we'll do it. I'm ready, I'm right. ready. Uh, all right, so uh, you know, I wanted to just basically, you know, touch upon certain things, uh, albums and movies, um, uh, from 1993. I, it doesn't have to be favorites, there's just certain things, you know, like uh, maybe five albums and five movies that you want to bring up or or that maybe you you want to talk about on this episode, especially since 30 years allows you time to really get into it. You know, maybe there's a movie that you didn't like when it came out and through the time it got better, which I have some on my list. Um, also, I just want to really point out real quick. So I was like 15. Um, these are six things that I remember from 1993. You ready? <laughs> Shout out to Marge shot for being like the first uh, canceled uh, white, <laughs> white lady of baseball. Uh, that was in Billy West too. Yeah, yeah. If you don't oh, know yeah. Marge Shot? Google. Yeah, Billy right. West, Marge Shot, Howard Stern. That was one of his best voices. Um. <laughs> so the the also two super tragic things: the World Trade Center, the the first bombing was in '93. I remember. Yeah. Uh, and then Waco, Waco, uh, which now they make TV shows about. That was um one of the things. Um. Also, uh. Alec Baldwin getting in trouble for firing a gun. I, I don't even understand how it, he's at fault if he's thinking he's firing like a fake gun. Uh, but that was also Brandon Lee. 30 oh, years yeah. ago. That's uh, when yeah, yeah. yeah Great soundtrack. Uh, uh, awesome soundtrack. Here's a show I've been watching every day because Pluto has a Cheers channel. And the yeah. last episode of Cheers aired in 1993. Really? Wow. Yeah. I thought that was later. Me too, right? <laughs> yeah. I thought uh, that was like 97 or... Man. 93 seems Maybe so... Maybe I'm thinking Seinfeld. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and the last thing I have is uh, also another docuseries that came out, the Lorena Bobbitt thing, when she cut off uh, her husband's dick, oh, yeah. I mean, which was super fascinating and tragic uh and and when you did you guys watch the thing on prime on her I did. no it's still in my queue it's, it's very good <laughs> i don't know it, when i'm gonna watch it yeah. wasn't stern or her first interview or one of her first interviews was with well, stern john john was on stern john was a few times before his promotion oh, okay frank his and penis porno or whatever the yeah, fuck it was yeah. was that what it was called Frank yeah penis, so think. so like when you really break down like the the doc it's it's interesting because he's 
John Bob is kind of like a buffoon. And like you really kind of like feel for like whatever Lorena was going through. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, she did like mutilate his fucking penis, which is probably a few steps way too far. Uh, but, you know, you get more insight into this story kind of like with the uh, Pam and Tommy Lee thing where you're like, oh, shit, mm -hmm. like you didn't really like, you know, now anything that happens in the news now, like you get like like, you, you know, it's like a toothpaste fucking thing. Like you, you wring out every bit of toothpaste in it back then. You sure. didn't really have all this information, you know, now it's like, you know, people will make docu-series mm -hmm. on all that stuff. So uh, these are the things that I remember. Anything in 93 specifically that you guys remember besides drugs? Um, Yeah, it was sort of a, Definitely a transition year for me. I had just been kicked out of college for the second time and was like, ha, nice. basically, what the F, F am I going to do with my life? And started bartending, which I became a bartender basically for 12 years before I became a brewer and didn't know what the hell I wanted to do with my life. So it was sort of, but I was also like, not to say that metal was dead in the 90s, but it was on life support. That's for sure. So I was definitely transitioning more into like hip hop and alternative. And uh, I mean, the only thing, I, I mean, I think Pantera flew the flag for metal it, in the nineties. Yeah, and then the did. rest was, the rest was it, like the Metallica not, I look back on it now and I look back on the black album as being like an amazing rock album, but it's not a metal album. Um, same with like Megadeth with the Symphony Destruction. They sort of went down the same path of selling out and even to a degree with Testament, with Practice What You Preach and Ozzy with No More Tears and being more ballad forward. And um, so like 93, like that was started about 91 with the whole uh, grunge and Nirvana, which I mean, I really think it started in 87 with uh beginning of the death knell of hair metal with uh appetite for destruction coming out and sort of um setting tone for what to come what's to come it's still hung in there for sure you know uh yeah. but i mean like listen we're talking about albums that came out like you know this was the year of definitely like alternative rock you know like yeah. i mean you had records like the posies like random ass shit like that yeah. You know, the, the breeders, uh, then you had hip hop records like Midnight Marauders, like everything that we were getting thrown at was like legendary. Um, so it made sense where like these bands, like you said, Metallica was like, oh, OK, I guess we're just going to make load now or something. Yeah. And like, you know, where Pantera progressively got heavier. Yeah, it was, it was like, crazy. OK, we're going to yeah. just, you know, we're just going to get heavier. And these other bands are like, OK, I, I'm going to write sweating bullets now. And everyone's like, yeah. all right, I guess this is what it is now. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I know there was a ton of black metal and a ton of like death metal floating around. In I was the just going to say but... that was that was the if you were into death or black, which I didn't get into till later on, going yeah, back to some of those artists. Um, that was their glory days of the early on parts of black metal and stuff like that uh, was all in that early 90s so really underground metal was thriving then but i wasn't really fucking with it so much and like brand i was kind of drifting away from it uh and oh. it was just a, i remember that time was just so great and when people talk about some of the best times in music history i always say the night early 90s might have been the best for 
and not just because it was like you know the wheelhouse of my 20s and you know that time where everything is great and vibrant and stuff like that but but there was a time where really uh artists with integrity were actually selling units too like there was a point in time where you had alice in chains pearl jam nirvana Soundgarden, like at the top of billboard and doing like the the public came to them really then they had to like soften their sound to get accepted yeah with no singles really i mean nothing like like i guess black hole sun was huge in 94 but i don't think it cracked the top 10 did it i mean it cracked a lot of airplay but like i don't think any of those songs ever cracked the top 10 no, but Never. it's it, it, super it was, unknown. They had a lot on there, but I, I don't think like like Bad Motor Finger and shit. You yeah, know, like they didn't, except for Jesus Christ pose. And then no, well, no, Outshine Al- 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 really was Outshine was the one yeah. that broke them, but it was like a buzzbin thing. Uh, but still, yeah. like the thing with that was like even what we're talking about it was curation. MTV, you know, when we're sitting at home, not going to work, not doing anything other than just like kind of like hanging out at home with our friends with TV on MTV was on and they were doing a really good job at curating that stuff. So it was constantly in front of you where you were just like, oh, this is cool. This is cool. This is cool. You know, thank now you, it's Dave Kendall. <laughs> to... <laughs> yeah. Thank you, John, the sense man, Sensio. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it, it, as much as people want to shit on MTV now, they were a very, very powerful, big part of, of what was going on, you know, for yeah. sure. Um, all right. So let's, let's, uh, let's do some albums since we're talking about, uh, about, um, music and then we'll do the, the movies last. Um, so, uh, yeah, I picked five albums. I would say three of them that I definitely listened to at that point Two that I didn't till later on, but they came out in 93 where I'm just like, you know what? I mm-hmm. really should have listened to these. So uh, our guest Brent, yeah, just give me uh, your, your, whatever you have listed as number five. Yeah. So this is definitely, I agree with you, Sam. This is one that uh, caught my attention later on down the road. This is definitely, I definitely don't even think I listened to this album once in 1993, but um probably around 97, 98, I started listening to these guys. And it's uh, from Sleep, a doom metal band, and it's Sleep's Holy Mountain. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Is is that where that guy, Matt Pike, is from? Yeah, Matt Pike's a guitarist, and Al Cisneros from Um, and... uh, High on Fire, is that the guy? Yeah, Yeah, High on Mm -hmm. Fire is Matt Pike. Cool. But uh yeah, like a lot of great songs dragging out and the druid and like the early, early stages of Doom just like professing their love to Sabbath, all things Sabbath. And um they went on to do they became famous for doing uh getting signed to a major label, getting a seventy five thousand dollar advance and putting out a sixty minute single, Dope Smoker. Uh, <laughs> and that's uh, great. They spent $25,000 or $50,000 on British tube amps to record. And then the other $25,000 on weed is what the famous story is. <laughs> I fucking and then the, uh, And then the label refused to release it until... Uh, and then, now they're they're signed to uh, Jack White's label, Third Man Records. Wow. Oh, really? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, Jack White does a lot of cool stuff, you know, because he... That white stripe money was so big that now he yeah. can just do whatever the fuck he wants, you know. Um, Langan, give me something from your list. Um, I went with, you know, some of these, like I tried to, it, most of it is stuff I really listened to then, but uh, 
and some of it is just stuff I want to talk about because I'm sure it didn't make the poll that we were doing and whatnot. And uh, so I'm going to put Porno for Pyro's self-titled record, yeah. actually. Um, it's really the last good piece of music that Perry Farrell has ever... Well, I shouldn't say that. There there was like two cuts maybe on the on the follow, on the follow-up. I really like that maybe. second one, that Tahitian Moon song on the follow-up. Tahitian Moon's a great amazing. song, but I, I really think this works as a whole album better. Yeah. Um, and and uh, there's just they played with a lot of arrangements they didn't do in Jane's. I think uh, Stephen Perkins is one of the most underrated percussionists I think in, yeah. in hard rock and whatnot, and he really shines on that record. A lot of uh, toms and bongos and all this shit and long stretched out psychedelia and uh, like orgasm that was one of my favorite songs towards the end cursed female that they had the single i think is a great fucking it's rock song great video that great video, video so that video speaking of mtv was fucking eye-catching immediately but also oh, yeah. like the music the music was so like it was just it was like sinister, nothing, nothing i've ever heard and you know who stars in that video fuck angel fuck angel yeah it fuck is fuck angel, angel. Buck Angel before. Fun fact for you kids, Google. Yeah, yo, <laughs> yo, Google Buck Angel for Google sure. Google it and hit images. <laughs> so, uh, and, yeah. And um, while it was played out a lot, but that's great fucking pop song. Fucking, On, you know. Lyrically great yeah. stuff like yeah. lyrically really cool there's great stuff on there i'm glad that they i love they... when people do a pops uh, a song of pop sensibility but really a dark subject matter to it <laughs> you know yeah. about being enslaved basically by aliens and whatnot it's kind yeah. of dystopian but it's a uh, fun pop song as well you know but also they just did a reunion for the first time in forever in chicago yeah they did. oh yeah they yeah. played metro also like after uh Lollapalooza, af- after Lollapalooza, yeah yeah, we went to the, see them with Flame and Lynch. Yeah, right? was Roseland. Yeah. yeah, God yep. bless Roseland. Great, great fucking. Song. Yeah, and we, I remember great. I love that album. Don't get me wrong; it was absolutely in 1993. It was probably in my top five, without a doubt, of albums I listened to in '93. But I just remember walking out of Roseland after the show, being like, "Why didn't they fucking play any Jane's Addiction? This is fucking ridiculous." Sure. Oh uh, yeah, I think it was one of those moves. Like that was. My other yeah. band, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I get, I get it, I get it yeah. for sure. Um, yeah. and also I do want to say Tahitian Moon's a great song. The rest of the album sucks. Yeah. <laughs> That's I, about I it. can't disagree with that. Uh, all right. So I even the set when he got back together with Jane. Sorry, just like that shit is not oh, that great. Stray, either, man, that you know? Any, there's yeah. two records they put out after the Strays, and then there was another one, The Great Escape Artist or something. Yeah. They're both fucking boring as fuck. And, yeah, and they're on the Entourage freaking theme song. Come on, ugh, ugh, fucking stupid show. Anyway, Sam, what do you got there? Uh, so number five, I picked an album that I probably listened to four or five years after it came out. So, uh, uh, Catherine wheel Chrome, mm, amazing, great album. really cool stuff. Just like, you know, what I really loved about the nineties was just like that, uh, heavy guitar, but like the melodies were so great. So many good songs on this. And most importantly, Rob Dickinson is, um, uh, Bruce Dickinson's uh, nephew, I believe, mm. the singer. So oh, wow. always, I didn't know that. That's always an interesting connection. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah they have a couple of good records in the. Yeah. Shout out to Mike Malamo too, I and mean, he's a big Catherine Wheel guy. Yeah. Still here flying well, a flag, but uh, so uh, Ferment was the one 
before this it had black metallic which was kind yeah, of like black metallic which was Great like, song. but it was just like super heavy guitar. It was like the lineage. Well, I wouldn't say lineage, but their peers were like Radiohead, where it's like this like crazy shit. And um, but like the the melodies and the songs were so like pretty, and like the leads were so like very very cool. Um, okay, so let's do another one from your list, Brant. Number four, uh, Houdini by the Melvins or Melvins. I guess they don't like to be called the. Um, uh, just getting this definitely was an album I listened to in 93. Mostly I bought it because Cobain produced it or infamously didn't produce it because he was too strung out. And basically Buzz Osborne had to produce it because Cobain wouldn't show up or he would show up and be smacked out of his mind. And, um, but some, just an amazing album, amazing album cover. I love the two headed dog album cover, like, and, uh, just, Nice, another, I guess I'm continuing with my sludgy, uh, uh, doomy uh, list and just their major label debut, I believe. Um, and I, I think it set the stage for like Stoner Witch coming next, which was like just a straight up like Sabbath, like we love Sabbath and this is it. And, and, uh, got them on the major label, just like pretty much every Seattle and Washington band was, uh, back then and, uh, just, I think it took off mostly because it had Cobain's name on it, but it's still uh, put it on on a regular rotation all the time. I like that he uh, occasionally still throws Nirvana jabs here and there. You know? <laughs> they seem to have, you know, some sort of relationship. His best, his best jabs are to if you, if I mean, I'm sure we all have, but if no one's read the his accounts of touring with Rob, I think White Zombie or Rob Zombie. Yeah, ever, it's yeah, so fucking funny. Yeah, so funny. So rock and roll stories that channel on a, on uh, YouTube, they do yeah. brilliant work. This guy is a fuck. He so he had a segment on that, and uh, it's it's very very good. Yeah, and it's real. It's like he's like pretty much the antithesis of Cobain too. He's just straight edge, I think. And Buzz yeah, Osborne's so a straight edge and doesn't doesn't do any alcohol, any drugs, anything. And like to pair that, like. I mean, I guess Cobain was in the Melvins for a second back in the early 90s. And then, but just to think of that scene and to think of everybody who died and everybody who was addicted to drugs and alcohol back then and just have one of the bands that everyone that became big looked up to and not do anything. I was going to say alcohol. them, Melvins and Mudhoney was always the bands that you heard everyone that yeah. broke big wanted yeah. to But also, like, also when, you, when you're trying to what they love. love when you're trying to work and like you're the guy who's producing your record, obviously giving it the golden touch is like nodding off at the council or whatever, <laughs> you know, on a co console. Uh, anyway, uh, Langan. Uh, this one did not listen to back in the day, but has become one of my favorite metal records of all time is carcasses heart work. Um, carcass is one, you know, started out very uh, like grindy death metal, whatever. And, they were always more not to shit on that that genre and stuff, but they were always way more talented than just knocking off, you know, short little fucking songs or whatever. And this album was really a growing point of really that the, they set a, a template for melodic death metal uh, and incorporating some thrash, 
uh, incredible guitar work, even some groove, like the title track artwork has such groove to it. It's fucking amazing. But uh, it's a it's a landmark record in the genre, you know, and a lot of the early fans, of course, were probably bent, you know, but there was nothing wrong with polish polishing their edge and putting out this record. They probably view that like a black album, like I view the black album or something. They probably view this carcass, but there's no denying this is one of the greatest metal records ever made history. It is it is great when whenever you do have that comparison, you know, because the way some people do look at that album is like the black album, you know. But it's so yeah, and and the way yeah. we look at the black album is just like it's cool, yeah. I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. So my next one is an album that I listened to back in '93, but I didn't really jump into the the deep tracks until. I don't know, you know, maybe like within the last 10, 15 years, Pablo Honey by Radiohead. Um, I remember getting the CD and the song You was the opening track. And I was like, holy shit, this is so good. Like, it was just like, it had elements of just like super heavy guitar work with Tom York's like vocals and like the... Um, it almost had like strumming of, of certain Fugazi songs, you know, mm. honorable mention, uh, in on the kill taker, of course. Yeah. Um, but Pablo honey, when you really listen to the whole thing and get beyond creep, anyone can play guitar. I can't, there's so many good songs thinking of you. Um, man, what a really, really good fucking rock guitar record, you know, far from wherever the fuck planet they're on right now, you know, with King of Limbs and all that other shit, which is whatever. But man, when you want like really well-written songs, um, I feel like a lot of people went to um, the Benz. They went to OK Computer. They went to Kid A and ignored Pablo Honey. And, and, and in the re-listens. And, yeah, and in the re-listens. And in the re-listens, you're like, wow. This, like the deep cuts are really... Oh, wow. Really, really good, especially the song I can't, which is like the song, it might be like the 10th song on the album or something. So, anyway, that's my pick. So, Brant, give me another one from your list. Number three, Anodyne by Uncle Tupelo. Um, the beginning, or I guess the early stages of the alt country movement of the 90s, I guess them and the Jayhawks were probably the forebearers. Yep. Um, and then just splintered off into the two amazing groups after that, Wilco and Sunvolt. Um, this is, again, I believe their major label debut, or maybe the acoustic one was before. Um, but just killer tracks. Just I, I equate it to, especially now that I live in the Midwest, this is sort of like uh, the, mid, the, the all-country movement to me to a degree, I think, was like the Midwest's uh, punk movement. Other than I guess maybe Minneapolis, like sort of like the, yeah. the punk movement from the East Coast and the West Coast, like they were wearing flannel long before Seattle. And and uh, if you listen to it, it's definitely got that freaking tinge of, of punk rock attitude in it with slide guitars and and pedal steel. And it's just you're right. I I would beautiful I, album. I would equate it to like the Husker Do's and replacements of like the you know. Minneapolis like that like you know the, like Uncle Tupelo although later on in life when I got into Wilco um, and I tried to go backwards it's a little bit too 
much not like you know certain bands from that like the old 97s or whatever that i like yeah. but i respect it and and i think that's that's definitely a good pick for sure uh langdon number uh give me something from your list <laughs> i have a debut by bjork um the jerk i think jerk um for me, I I love Bjork. Always respect Bjork, especially because she is fearless of trying new shit. But for me, the early, uh, I love the Sugar Cubes and the early Bjork albums that are, were more accessible. There's nothing wrong with being accessible sometimes for her. <laughs> and uh, this record was, she really had her finger on the pulse of a sound of that current time with a lot of electronic stuff being in the, incorporated in the mix, embracing like club uh shit like even like the big time sensuality which was a big hit for her remember the video black and white her dancing on the back of the flatbed in manhattan and whatnot and uh uh with remixes by david morales and masters at work and all this shit she just was on it like uh the sound of the moment the down tempo stuff like come to me which has like you know a massive attack tricky kind of vibe to it it's just it's it's just a well-produced uh record of the times and she sounds amazing on it. And I think Human Behavior, that's one of my favorite songs ever. Love the video, too. That's right. She dated Tricky and Goldie. So it's I just told the story when I saw them fight. I think I've told it on this uh, show. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot. Yeah, maybe that's why I remember yeah, it. <laughs> at the Roxy. At the Roxy, they were fighting. Goldie and Tricky fighting over Bjork. Hey, listen, if in, front you're gonna... of, in front of me and my friend, and I was like, what the fuck is this really happening? <laughs> and then years later, talking on Facebook with her, she's like, do you remember that time? I'm like, oh, thank God you just validated that memory. Because I'm like, it was so bizarre. I don't know if it happened. But if you remember it, then I guess it did. Hey, if you're going to fight over anyone, that's 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 a good one for sure. She was so cute. Yeah. Um. All right. So my pick is an album. You know, a lot of times this might be the album that I remember shifting me from following my friends down the uh, Long Island hardcore, New York hardcore route. Uh, Gentlemen by the Afghan Wigs. Mm-hmm. You know, when I when I was watching MTV and I saw the song for a uh, video for Debonair. I was like blown away. It was like nothing I ever heard before, even like the the guitars. I was like trying to figure out the chords or the rhythms after like listening to like, you know, Nirvana power chords or like riff rock. You're like, I don't even understand what they're doing. Um, But debonair gentlemen. So like the the whole album is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Greg Dooley vocally. Such a good singer. Un-fucking believable, man. Um, Big game changer. Lanigan love. Yeah, big big he loves Mark Lanigan. Big team the record together. Uh, the gutter, the, the gutter, gutter, the gutter twins, gutter glimmer twins, twins. Was, yeah. the gutter twins. Um, I think the glimmer twins were uh, somebody else. Was <laughs> that the toxic twins? Is that Joe oh, Perry? And... Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. They were the toxic yeah. twins. Yeah, they were the toxic twins. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, gentlemen, absolutely like a record that still holds up sometimes on a long drive. I'll just put that on from beginning to end because the songs melt into each other. There's like, you know, these interludes that all connect with each other yeah. and uh, still putting out good shit, too. Absolutely. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, Brant, give me something. Number two, gentlemen. By the Afghan Wigs. Oh. Um, 
everything that Sam said is correct. It's just an amazing album. I mean, I love Dolly's voice. I love, I mean, his lyrics. I mean, Debonair. We'll go back to Debonair. I pulled it up. Because uh, it don't bleed and it don't breathe. It's locked its jaws and now it's swallowing. It's in our heart. It's in our head. It's in our love. Baby, it's in our bed. Tonight yeah. I go to hell for what I've done to you. This ain't about regrets when I tell the truth. I mean, that's just an amazing lyric. Like, Killer. Amazing. Yeah, man. Cool. Yeah, that that's I'm glad number two right there. Uh I I it could have easily easily been the, the the top thing that I mentioned, but I feel like these five in particular for me are, are in no real order. Um yeah. so Lane, number two. Uh, I got Dinosaur Juniors, where you've been. Um it's my favorite dinosaur junior album, I'd probably wow. say. Interesting. Totally. Wow. Yeah. I uh because how it I mean, listen, I love I even I actually love their new shit just as equally as their old shit and stuff. But this album was just important for me in particular as far as getting into them. Uh, it was really because, you know, I came, you know, I was already listening to a lot of alternative and stuff, but I still came from a metal background. And Jay Maskus is a nice was a nice uh, like and he comes from a metal background, too. So his guitar playing for me with the pop sensibilities it just made a lot of sense for me at the time that I just couldn't get enough of, of his soloing and, and uh, it just, it's, it's such a perfectly produced, amazing record, great hooks, uh, some aggressive shit and some like really mellow stuff, but it was just a good transition practice for me at the time. And I saw them live a few times around then. I always thought they were terrible live, but this album, is fantastic it's 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 a masterpiece yeah this one was important for us too so like growing up like my friend bob um you know he has a dinosaur junior tattoo so he got into them a little bit before so we had that exposure so i think green mind might be my favorite dinosaur junior record the one like i'm pretty sure right before Mm -hmm. this um and then there's a bunch of stuff before that was great but this one when it came out i remember just watching star chop in the video uh and i mean we would just watch it all the time it's just great and to this day whenever i'm like uh you know playing guitar or whatever i'll do that riff that opening riff. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot of fun to play uh yeah man great great pick um so my number two is probably something maybe someone else has on their list uh siamese dream smashing pumpkins that's uh, my number one yeah, okay. My number one. Is it? Okay, so then I'll wait to talk about it. So let's... <laughs> Oh, so wait, so we're at our number one. We're at so number we would one. be. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm Well gonna I know do... what your number one is then. I know. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna do I'm gonna yeah. do my number one and then we'll talk about uh Siamese. So my number one is and it could have easily been number two next to Siamese Dream, uh Quicksand Slip. Yeah. Um It's my when, honorable mention. When I heard the riff to dine alone it was like nothing i've ever heard before it was very dark like just it was so heavy but walter's vocals made it like so perfect he would like you know jump in and out with the melody uh tom capone on on the leads like he played so tastefully like if he played three notes you just fucking felt it on every one of these songs this album was very big for people who were kind of coming out of hardcore or looking for something like the next thing. And I think slip was like, you know, definitely on, on top of like the, 
post-hardcore planet of the helmets and the handsomes and stuff like that. So slit my number one by quicksand. So now let's talk about Siamese dream brand. Yeah. I just um, actually bought this album with Langan and Pete Fisher at, uh, I believe it was the wall at the time. I don't think it was record world. Still. Yeah. But uh, Langan actually got me into the pumpkins through Gish and uh yeah and uh i just love that album and i just think this was just like the ultimate progression to like we're the best band on the planet like don't mess with us like we're the real deal and every song from beginning to end is just amazing jimmy chamberlain in my opinion is like up there with danny carey and dave lombardo's of the world and um it's just an amazing drummer it's just kind of sad that he's had his issues with heroin um just love uh did steve albini produce this or was this butch vig i think it was butch vig yeah i, I mean i just vig, i've yeah. always i love both those guys both their production styles and just this is probably up there with nirvana and pearl jam and uh allison chains and uh sound like really getting me into the alternative sound and maybe the Pixies and a couple others scattered here and there. For sure. But it's, it's just a perfect yeah. album. The perfect album is the perfect 90s album. It's probably my favorite album from the 90s, I have to say, not just 1993. They were a good gateway band, just like I was saying about with Jay Maskis for me and stuff. Like they, uh, like Brent was saying, like I was into Gish a lot. I remember them playing Rhinoceros on 120 and shit a lot. And it's great. Gish is still a great record, but again, this is the case of a band yeah. really coming into form, tightening it, tightening things up a little bit. And uh, and listen, and Cherub Rock is up there with Running with the Devil and yeah. whatever else is one of the greatest album openers of all fucking time. Cherub Rock comes out like a ton of fucking bricks. That song has to be played at yeah. full volume all the time, man. Yeah. And, but like the deep cuts on them, we all know the, the singles. The deep but tracks, the, mayonnaise. mayonnaise, like the deep great. tracks, mayonnaise so, uh, and Geek USA and Quiet, yeah. freaking just amazing. So yeah, I mean, we we did a pumpkins episode. Uh, I think we did our, maybe it was like top ten. I don't think I was on that one. No, nah, and I was like me and like three like other like pumpkin fanatics, because from ninety three to like ninety five, they were my favorite band. Like they were untouchable, everything that they did. Yeah. Siamese, Pisces, double album. They were like, you know, that's when you were finding, we were finding demos. You know, we would be like, oh, okay. Like we would buy a cassette, like somewhere in Manhattan, of like an acoustic version of Mayonnaise. And you're like, holy mm-hmm. shit, this is the greatest thing of all time. I bought Euphoria, which was the videotape, the home video. Um, I remember. I used buying, to buy all the singles and Peel sessions of them, and then they fucking released that Pisces. That fucking, yeah, I'm like, oh, God damn it! I fucking hunted <laughs> all this shit down. Now you fucking put it out like this. Bastards. So, um, I I got this around the same time that I got Hum. You know, you'd prefer an astronaut, and they were both like, I'm like, holy shit! The, these are like, I sonically I, epic, sonically yeah. ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, man, it. it Everything about it, you know, uh, you know, from the pretty vocals of of Cherub Rock to like the rock and riff of like Quiet to then today, um, fucking Rocket Hummer Soma, like when it kicks in at the end of Soma, 
It's just like, holy shit, Geek USA riff. Every just this record really was like a, a flex of like we are making or we just made like the greatest you know rock record of the last like god knows how many years um so yeah siamese dream man rock and roll uh all right so 1993 uh also movies you know we were all probably just uh getting over the mom and pop stuff even though there was some shit around there uh probably walk watching the squiggly lines on spice tv or like playboy tv uh <laughs> going to movies to watch a lot of action movies um the 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 you know Schwarzenegger, Stallone's all that other stuff. Uh Blockbuster was probably a thing by now for sure. And uh so let's talk movies. I I picked 5 movies, we all picked 5 movies. Um uh, they don't have to be the best. We could just talk about them. So Brant give me uh, something that you picked. Yeah, so to go back to my not knowing what I wanted to do in 1993, I came up with the genius idea that I was going to be a filmmaker. Um, after I got kicked out of school the second time and started going to Suffolk Community College and Southampton uh, College and just basically not declaring a major, just taking any film class that they offered, like women in film and whatever, foreign films or whatever, and taking all those classes with the intents and purposes of getting into NYU film school or I ended up getting into USF film school and lasting about four weeks and getting kicked out of my third college. Um, so there went the dream of, of um, being a filmmaker. So I was heavily, heavily, heavily living at home and basically going to the movies at least once a week and going to Blockbuster four or five days a week and just watching film upon film upon film. Um, so I'm going to kick it off with a Nightmare Before Christmas is my number five. Hell yeah. That's what I, got I was a Tim, Bur- Tim Burton junkie. Um I love stop motion and just love Christmas and love Halloween are my two favorite holidays. So it was just like the perfect uh, storm of, for me at the time of a genius filmmaker, my two favorite holidays and stop motion, which, um, and I still love it to this day and I still watch it on the regular around the holidays. Langan, that's your number five. That's my number five too. And like Brian and the, in that same period, I wanted to be a filmmaker as well. And me and Brandt, like, actually, we went to the same high school, but in that the film class, that subject, that's when I think we got to know each other the best. It was yeah. like a history of film yeah. where we watched all the old yeah. John Ford shit, Stagecoach, and fucking The Nook of the North, yeah. and all that shit. But I had the same dream. Yeah, and, and I remember. I love stop motion. What's that? Yeah. Uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit was on the cover of the textbook. I remember for that Suffolk County Community College class. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Good memory, man. Well, we uh, all... Yeah, I... I, Go ahead. I was going to say, we all wanted to, especially around 93, 94, you know, the Tarantino stuff, Kevin Smith. Um, Once me and my friends saw, like, you know, Clerks, uh, we saw Reservoir Dogs, stuff like that. It's like, let's make movies because it seemed... Like the like, especially Reservoir Dogs and Clerks. You're like, that doesn't it. It's very hard to make, but it didn't look like you know, uh, yeah. Commando or some shit. You it know? wasn't elaborate. It wasn't like you know. It was basically based around conversations and shit. Like you felt yeah. like you could write and stuff. And I went to Binghamton for a semester and a half, but like that was all avant garde shit and like didn't pan out but uh but anyway back to the nightmare before christmas love stop motions 
Halloween, Christmas, perfect. And I hate musicals with a fucking passion. But Danny Elfman, I love the songs on this. This one and Hedwig and the Angry Inch get a pass for me. That's it. Don't come to me with any other fucking. <laughs> <laughs> those, are, those are two good passes. So this is on my list, too. So I'll just talk about it now. Um, just brilliant. I remember uh, the first time we went to go see it was in Quorum. Uh, and we all walked there. I think I think we walked there because we we didn't drive yet, and we were we took acid, and we walked, and then we watched this movie. <laughs> we were all just tripping out. We 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 wow. brought we brought our friend Molly that wasn't really used to hanging out with degenerates and taking drugs and walking to movie theaters, so that was interesting. But wow, what a great movie! Great concept. It still holds up. You could put it on now, and just the actual plot of it the execution uh it's that animation looks better than 99% of the marvel and dc movies that come out you know it's 100%. like i'd rather watch that than like whatever stupid like video game movie you, you, like oh, you know, god fa- fuck family. all those fucking yeah. superhero movies seriously <laughs> fucking get the fuck out of here with that shit i totally agree with martin scorsese but i don't want to digress into that. and tarantino tarantino is about to be canceled for uh, uh, his hatred of uh all comic first, book movies first of all no one can get canceled that has a fan base tarantino yeah, has a fan base like it that's like we're all tarantino fans that's like us being oh. like Oh, you know what? We can't listen oh my to God. It. Yeah, so we'll never <laughs> as long as you have a fan base that cares about you, it doesn't matter. It's only like fickle people that are like 19 or 18. They're like, oh, he doesn't like Marvel movies. So therefore I won't watch any of the movies that I never watched anyway. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Uh give me your next brand. Uh my next. Uh let's see here. All right, let's go down the line that I have. I didn't really number them out, but let's go with the Bronx Tale. Um Goodfellas Junkie at the time, just still to this day, a Goodfellas Junkie. I still think it's that it's flips and flops between Pulp Fiction and Goodfellas is my favorite movie of all time. Like depends on what week or whether I watch it, which one I watched that week or month or whatever. Um, but anyway, so uh, love De Niro. Obviously, this is his directorial debut or second movie. Or no, I. Uh... Oh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe he directed I... or did, but uh, uh I, I feel mm, it doesn't I think matter. it might be, but I just I love it. I mean, I don't think it holds up as well as Goodfellas and some some of the other mob movies, but um just still one of my again, sorry guys, I didn't like really dive too deep into the movies like I did with the yeah, films. It doesn't matter. Just no, say right. say whatever you want to say but about yeah, it. Yeah, Chas Palminteri wrote it or did he direct it? I can't even remember. I'm checking it out. It, it doesn't right matter. Now. I think Chas Palminteri wrote it, it and De Niro directed Director Robert De Niro, story by then, Chas. Yeah, so and I just love that scene. My favorite scene is the scene in the bar with the motorcycle gang comes in and they lock the door behind him and proceed to just kick the living crap out of him. Can't it's leave. just amazing. Only, the, only in movies will someone who's about 500 pounds, uh, you know, be able to have the cardio to fight a motorcycle. <laughs> but uh, so I know. still say now you can't leave. Like it comes up in conversation often, yeah. actually, more often it, than you, you think know, from a 30 year old film. Absolutely. And I'll tell you a lot of quotables, you know, Sonny had five fingers, but he only used three, um, you know, in, in the, the bat- mush, in the bathroom yeah. with you, uh, 
you know, a lot, a lot of stuff in that man was just really great. And uh, I remember no, seeing. Is there better casting than that kid? It, it looks wise to Robert De Niro. It's amazing. Yeah, it's like crazy. Be his son. They have the same goddamn face and nose and fucking everything. Yeah, and then awesome in the Sopranos same. too. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, are we talking about Lilo or the young kid? Lilo. I'm talking about Lilo. Yeah, is, did he? He was uh, in the Sopranos, the sec, second season of Sopranos. The one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that guy. Side note: that guy. Um, when I was working at CPI as a barback, I was dragging the garbage out to go throw in the dumpster, and he was by the back door with a friend of his. I don't remember. This was like later '90s because he didn't really go. He got the Sopranos gig, but he didn't do shit. I think he got in trouble or jail or some shit. But dead. He was by the no, he was by the back no, door. No, no, this no, was no. in the nineties, but uh, he was by the back door telling me, asking me to get in the back door, and he gave the, do you know, do you know, recognize, do you know who I am? Like shit. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I do. And that was the end of it. I went through my garbage. Out. That shit was that shit was uh, sad. CPI. As you the, been- the power you wielded at CPI. You yeah. should have been, you should have been like you're down. the you're the singer of Warrant, right? <laughs> you shot Encino Man down. You gave Vince Neil a ride home. So I had uh, a lot of fun with some has been fun. Anyway, this guy, <laughs> this guy, Lilo Brancato, uh, also is Colombian. He was born in Colombia. Mm. He's, he's adopted by Italian family. Um, he got in very big trouble for it was like a robbery, something gone wrong. Yeah, and he yeah. did he did a lot a lot of time, but he got out. Now he's he's doing good. Okay. I think he's been Good. on a few podcasts and uh you know he's he's got his his life straight. I always see him on Instagram and shit. So but anyway. Yeah, good for him. Um did we get to Langan? Langan, your next pick. Uh I got Carlito's way. Um which you guys might have. I'm sure we're gonna have a lot of flip uh overlap on this stuff, but and Carlos Carlito's way is interesting for me because I don't a hundred percent I love certain aspects of it so much, and there's a couple of things like I really hate the love interest i don't believe i don't buy their fucking relationship whatsoever <laughs> i think she's so painfully miscast as his girlfriend it makes no fucking sense to me but getting past that the performances of we got you know al pacino playing latino again even though he's not you know we haven't seen that since scarface but puts us in that headset a little bit but his John Penn is the lawyer, fucking one of his greatest roles. Uh, Luis Guzman, fucking hilarious. Got Vigo Morgison playing Latino, too. I can't hold. Yeah, I still say that. So we still say that. Me and Brian, me and my friend Brian Casal, shout out to him. Well, uh, we we used to do that in Menace Society all the time. But it was like, look at me. I can't haul. Like it's so good, man. Vigo was so good. We, we always call it. We like don't go all loving on me, man. Don't go all yeah. loving on me. <laughs> yeah. Um, great quotes in that movie too. But Sean Penn might have taken it. Like you know, I think he yeah, did the best. Um, yeah. and of course Al Pacino playing Latino, but that's okay because John Leguizamo does the flip flop. So we, you know, we got the trade off. You know, we got Leguizamo Ooh, playing Italian true. and Pacino playing the Hispanics. They made that even yeah. trade. Benny Blanco from the Bronx. That's right. Uh, I, had, I had a friend, Benny Doroski. That's what he became. That's what is his name. Benny Blanco. It's, yeah. It's over. You're Blanco now forever because it was just so damn catchy. But <laughs> just a fun movie. Just a fun movie. One of those movies, if it's on TV, I'm stopping, you know, and it's on TV a lot. Yeah. 
Good one. Uh, so here's where my, you know, I, I definitely took a detour because as time went on, he, uh, there's two picks on, on my list that as time goes on and, and practical effects seem to be less and less in certain movies, there's movies from the nineties that I really love now. So Jason goes to hell came out in 1993. <laughs> Uh, you in this fucking movie yeah (laughs) and i'll tell you if you actually watch it it's just batshit crazy the gore uh you know so like uh the very beginning um they blow up jason Voorhees. they blow him up they're like you know you spend eight movies wondering why they didn't just blow this fucking guy up so the swat team blows him up and then they they bring him to the corner and uh I guess his heart is still beating. And then the coroner takes a bite of that heart. And then from there, you do. he, 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 <laughs> uh, coroners do. as one might do. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> he becomes, uh, you know, Jason. And then from there, Jason just goes body jumping. And, uh, it's, if you appreciate, just violence and gore the way the 80s did it and some of the 90s direct video even though this was direct video wasn't a very successful movie needless to say but uh i have a big love and affinity for jason goes to hell it was the first movie through new line i think so they couldn't use friday the 13th anymore so they had to start using jason x jason goes to hell and all that other shit um and it's great if you ignored you know, the ninth installment in a series, which for for the most part, most people did. Uh, and any of this sounds exciting. I, I suggest that you go watch it. I am pretty sure it's up on Netflix right now. So Brant. Uh, number three, Tombstone. Good one. Um, Val Kilmer, genius performance. Kurt Russell, I love. Uh, I, I mean, I think this was the beginning of his because I love them in the Hateful Eight. I think is and it's he's sort of doing the same like voice as in the Hateful Eight. So this is like the beginning of the Kurt Russell Western, um, Western phase, I guess. Uh, just a fun movie. I loved. It. I did not see it in the theater. I remember I was renting a place with some friends from college in on Long Island for the summer. And they had a bootleg copy or a release copy that had not for commercial sale, like scrolling throughout the entire movie. And I just remember watching it on that. And then we'd watch it pretty much every day because we didn't have cable uh, in that little uh, cottage and uh, just (laughs) love, love that movie to the day. And again, another like Lang and said, if it's, playing and it's playing very often on every channel on channels i'll stop and watch it and just some great quotable lines yeah very very cool um great cast uh you know when you think of a movie like young guns that had a great cast as well it was very cartoonish very silly very enjoyable tombstone was an actually very good movie with a very good cast and i don't even give a fuck about westerns but that was very good so langan next uh i got groundhog day um with bill murray uh just a perfect tight written comedy with bill murray doing what he does like is better than anybody of being like bitterly sarcastic but has a 
a character that like you can care for. I don't know. He just he, there's a certain Bill Murray style that that he's perfect for that can have drama, comedy, easily shift gears between both of them. And it's just a great premise. It's such a good premise. I mean, I'm sure it was done before that and some other time, but we go like every you always hear, oh, that's a ripoff of Groundhog Day or something. Groundhog Day is was 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 like a template for for that time playing with the time, yeah. but just a funny great comedy. And I watched it with my son like within the last year and it still holds up amazing. It's perfect. Yeah, I love I love a good time hop movie for sure. Um, recently, speaking of Bill Murray being sarcastic, I had my girlfriend who's eight years younger watch Quick Change for the first time, and she fucking loved it. You know, yeah. I put it on. She and it's always the same thing. She's like, "Oh my god!" She's like, "This movie's from 1990. I don't want to watch this." And I'm like, "Whatever." And then, like, you know, I guess slowly she got engaged, and then from there, like, you know, now she does that. Uh, what I do, you know, like that Tony Shalhoub thing in the cab where you're like yeah. starting to them. Um, okay, so here's another one of those picks that I was talking about. Um, 1993 had Return of the Living Dead 3. If you know this podcast, you know that I, I champion this movie a lot. Uh, recently just added back onto Shudder. I hated this movie when it came out. I thought it was terrible. I fucking hated it because it wasn't Re- Return of the Living Dead 1 and 2. And this movie was a direct-to-video movie, so it it was low budget. And then as time went on, I, I, I realized it was Brian Usner who directed it. I, I appreciated the absolute ridiculous violence and gore that I think um, Steve Johnson did some stuff. Maybe Mad Scream and George did like I mean just the creations of gore and violence in this movie, like the there's a zombie or that has like his spine yanked out and his head like if you watch it it's visually amazing like it's just visually amazing, um, <laughs> it's got Sarah Douglas you know you know one of the, from Superman too so it's got star power. It's got the grandfather from Charles in Charge, so you know, <laughs> uh, it's definitely. And and I'll tell you this: if you don't believe me, watch the very beginning zombie. Um, this really tall, skinny, lanky zombie that they get in like the the first like zombie exchange that they revive. Now he is what you call casting. He frightening looking. So it turns out they found a homeless guy, and they gave him you know whatever they gave him money or food or whatever and they made him play a zombie and when you see him you're like yeah this dude looks like he's lived a very hard fucking life (laughs) but it was absolutely amazing so return of the living dead 3 is 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 a 1993 movie that i i will pick and if you're listening to this please just watch it so i could stop talking about it brand all right, my one and two are sort of in the Pulp Fiction and uh, Goodfellas category. They flip and flop from time to time. So. We probably uh, all have the same two. I'll start Got it. So I'll go with what number two is right now, Dazed and Confused. Sure. All right, so That's we have my we, one. All right, so it's Dazed and Confused. I mean, the, the last two movies we all have is right. It's true. true okay. Romance. So true Romance and Dazed and Confused. So, so let, let's, I have, I have, where do you have True Romance, Langan? True Romance 2, Days me, 1. Me too, me but too. I, it easily could, you know, those let's, two movies. Are... Let's so let's talk True Romance, and then we'll close out with, with Days and Confused. So True Romance. Perfect. Right. perfect. 
Yeah, True Romance, um, Tarantino junkie from the get-go once I saw Pulp Fit, or uh, sorry, Reservoir Dogs. Just, I was all in and was going to be dedicated to uh, watching religiously his films moving forward. Um, just from an hour and a half of a, of a film, just rocked my world. Um, so True Romance, he obviously wrote. I don't think he really wants takes credit for it. I mean, I think he does take credit for it more, obviously more than uh, what's that crappy Oliver Stone one, Unnatural Born Killers. Um, yeah. But I think this was the uh, first thing Tarantino wrote when he got out to L.A. And uh, it's loosely based on his his life, I believe, or like his dream life or. I think I uh, think there's I think there's a lot of uh, the connections is basically um you know it's him so kind of like you know like the movies yeah. the elvis thing but i think it's just like a, a jumbo of stuff because like yeah uh technically uh you you know natural born killers was like the next thing you know it's like them two so this was like uh natural born killers was like yeah. the couple in the sequel and shit like that so i think it's just a a universe he made up in his head basically so yeah mm -hmm. except for spicoli i think brad pitt's the best stoner uh character ever in the history of film they were here they were here and now they're <laughs> there honey bear bond it's <laughs> got the honey bear bond the whole yeah. the cast of this film alone i mean it just it's full of end of, I mean, it works as a whole film, but individual uh, scenes that are just so memorable. Uh, Gary Oldman, you know, and Any White Boy Day. Yeah. We got Sam Jackson doing a barely anything. There's like a bunch of guys that are in this movie that are barely like, you know, the yeah. uh, Chris Chris Penn, Sam Jackson, Gandolfini I, blew up. I think got Tony Soprano yeah, from De that scene. Dennis, the, De the Dennis Hopper, Christopher Walken thing is legendary. Oh, it's legend. It's one of the greatest yeah. film scenes. I think a dialogue and two actors improvising a lot of it too, uh, or, or at least at the end with the cantaloupe and the eggplant. <laughs> I yeah. think we're improvised, but uh, I mean, it's as good as you get. It's 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 you play. You probably play. It's being played in the acting schools somewhere right now, like on how to do it. Yeah. It's, uh, and and the pure viciousness of Gandolfini and Patricia Arquette fighting, vicious. Yeah. That was pure. Yep. Like that felt so real. You know, mm -hmm. very. Yeah. I thought he, he got Tony Soprano's. Like that wasn't that scene basically what led to him. Yeah, I think yeah. Or like his performance because he had that moment where he kind of respects her and he's got this twist fucked up smile on his face when this horrific thing is going down yet this guy can smile yeah. of that dichotomy yep. you know which kind of emphasizes this whole character he played in that show but yeah it's just it's a fucking masterpiece makes me want to I want to put it on right yeah. now actually <laughs> Balky Bartakomos, you know, getting, yeah, getting, getting, getting the cocaine. Like when she throws a cocaine, it is that, that's one of my favorite gifts to use yeah. on Facebook, where he's just sitting there smiling with the fucking coke all over his face. Uh, it's just great. Michael Rappaport, yeah, like, mm -hmm. just really, really simple story, which is kind of like a Tarantino thing. Like when you really break down the actual, like point a to point b you're like oh nothing is like so profound but like it's the journey and the characters and the shit that you know like the 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 dialogue that's mixed in there that you're just like wow this is just so entertaining
But in all reality, it's like, you know, boy meets girl, they go sell Coke and then they try, you know, it's it's a plot that's been used in the 80s nonstop. You know, like, I mean, shit, Samurai Cop, right? <laughs> they <laughs> they bring they bring out some guy from San Diego to fight the Katana, you know, but it didn't really work out as well as any of these other movies. But it's like, uh, uh, yeah, True Romance is a goddamn masterpiece and uh, the testament of a good movie, just like the number one we're going to talk about um is dazed and confused it's like you could put these you could put the tv on and anywhere in that movie that it's on you know whether it's the beginning middle ending whatever you're just like oh i'm gonna sit down and like if i have 10 minutes or 15 minutes i'm gonna watch it for that amount of time um so let's talk dazed and confused brent yeah i mean just one of the greatest opening scenes in the history of film sweet emotion just freaking all the muscle cars in the parking lot and just introduction to all the characters. Um, just amazing soundtrack. Of course, I think you guys talked about that a, a while ago on the last one that I was supposed to be a part of or uh, about oh, yeah, we did a whole Sweet show. Emotion made someone's list. And, uh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, that was mine, yeah. Just yep. that, uh, I mean, I... I, hurricane was on mine just because just that scene of like matthew mcconaughey walking into the yep. pool hall and just like mm-hmm. in reality he's pretty much a loser but he's <laughs> freaking king walking Whoa. into that pool hall and just the on. look on his fucking face of like i fucking rule this town um is just freaking amazing and like his 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 boys behind him walking into the pool the the next in line and then the next in line after that the um just a brilliant brilliant movie i mean lick later i love slackers just from the film student in me i love slackers but now that i look back on slackers it's not a very good flick um yeah. in my opinion i think um, i can i think I, I think i could genuinely sit in front of my tv and re- recite the whole movie at this point yeah. Absolutely. Like I, one I, of those I, films. it's between that and almost famous where i just sit there and like whatever yeah. they say you know it's just like i'll put it on. i've been watching almost famous like every day lately just 10 minutes here five minutes there but i mean ben affleck is the dick is just fucking genius the guy's such an asshole and he just played plays totally. it so well um just fucking just an amazing freaking movie yeah, Parker Posey is the best bitch ever in the history of the freaking world. Like it's just like perfect casting. Like perfect. I love the, the, the night in a life aspect. I love night in the uh, films that take place over the course of one evening, like uh, under the Silver Lake, like we talk about all the time, or certain films. I love that that scenario and like how, and especially it. What's amazing about it is anybody who who is you know of that age in the seventies always say how realistic this movie is towards like the vibe of the seventies and stuff. But even as me a generation like later and stuff, there's just this universal aspect of like being young and having a night where you didn't have responsibilities and the world was like your oyster to have this adventure of like of it's pretty of realistic, especially. Too. 
the Sorry. town we grew up in. Yeah, exactly. Like, I was it, just going to say it's pretty much that. a Friday or Saturday night in our town during the 80s and yeah. 90s. Yeah, or any, and it's probably any, any town. town. Yeah. Probably a lot of people have that feeling. And I yeah. think that's why it like universally connects like generationally. There's just an aspect of being, it's like a love letter to being like young, you know, and having the yeah. night to, to take for your own, you know, it's just beautiful. Yeah, uh, it, it's like <laughs> to every character, it didn't matter. Like, you know, fucking Carl's mom with the shotgun. You yeah, know? <laughs> she was ride or die as fuck. Everybody was... wants a mom like that. Yeah, she was just like, oh, nah, on a kid. not on my watch. <laughs> you know, fucking uh, the, 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 the teacher, you know, uh, yeah. 50 of you coming on a mission, 25 of you ain't coming back. It's just like, uh, all right. <laughs> Ginny I, talk, talking about I always pull that fourth of July quote whenever she says it right. you know whenever you guys are out there celebrating you know whatever blah 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 just remember a whole bunch of white aristocratic men didn't want to pay their taxes yeah. all right Ooh. I think Sam mentioned this on one of the earlier uh, uh, podcasts uh, about why the hell is that kid leaving making out with a freaking chick for, at the uh, dance to go freaking? <laughs> yes. Like Hers- every time he does it, I'm like, what the? F- where the fuck are you going, uh, kid? Like Her- Hirschfelder, yeah. Like he, Hirschfelder. like that girl was like probably one of the most attractive women uh, in the actual movie, and they're like, hey man, we got to go to just go walk around. But I mean, yeah, I and maybe get you the shit re- out of us. It was representative though, because like you, you'd have a friend that. Like back then, when you were that young, that that thought he knew it all about girls or whatever. But looking back, like he didn't know fucking, yeah. he didn't know shit. Yeah, it's great, you know? and 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 the mind fuck of it too. Like when you think about it, so we're we're 1993 watching this movie that took place or was supposed to take place 15 years earlier. You know, so that's like 78, and uh, it's just funny. You know, you like you associate 1993 with this movie, but it's really 78. And now you tack on like an extra 30 years. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. You're like, yeah, oh, crazy. shit. I can't wait to die. Anyway, I'm going, I'm going to Jersey. <laughs> hey, man, this this has been a, a fun uh, recap of 1993. Uh, I'm sure we'll do one for 2003 next because that sounds like fun. Um, Brant, thanks for hanging out. Yeah, yeah man. thanks for having me again. Appreciate it. Love you guys. Got a website there, Dry Hop. Yeah, www.dryhopchicago.com. Just send me the link. CorridorChicago.com and CrushedByGiants.com. No one's no one listens to the restaurants. Yeah. Oh, definitely send me everything. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Send it to me on Messenger and I'll I'll post the link. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Awesome. Guys. I was trying to keep it like a tonight show vibe, like I was saying, you know, because plugs. Like yeah. Jackie Martling or something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the pl- the plug thing. Hot like, dogs and donuts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nah, your local like, record store. Like the plug thing on the Stern show is funny. Like you know, like that was like the big deal that like you needed to like plug, and now it's like yeah. no one. Jackie had it in his contract. His plugs. Yeah, like when yeah. I'm listening to like a podcast. Like the last thing, it's like uh, no, nah, I'm not. I'm just gonna look for a link. And Fred, just, Fred would <laughs> play that that Carney music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking carnival music behind it. Oh, that's great. But anyway, yes. thanks for coming on, Brent. All right. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Later, man. All right, later. Bye. Bye.